Hello, this is Eric Bryant, pastor at Gateway Church in South Austin. If you want more resources, including the notes from this message, go to ericbryant.org. Or to find out more about our community, go to gatewaychurch.com south. So throughout this series, we've been looking at, uh, first week, God's ideal community. That God has created one family that is made up of men and women from every tribe and every nation across the planet. But then in week two, we looked at real community. And we acknowledge that real community is actually difficult. It's, it's hard to connect with others because hurt people do what? Hurt people. And we talked about how we might become those who become healers instead of perpetuating hurt people, hurting people. And then last week, we talked about a diverse community. John Burke and a panel of some of our leaders shared on how evil seeks to divide us, whereas Jesus breaks down the dividing wall of hostility. Now, it's a beautiful experience and a hard experience to hear other people's stories. But I want you to know, if you, if you found yourself getting defensive or even feeling misunderstood, some of what you need to understand is when they shared these stories, it was because they see you as part of the solution. And the experience we had on Wednesday night at our call to unity was just such a beautiful time. And we're going to do it again, March 27th, here at Gateway in South Austin, uh, preceded by a multicultural dinner. So put it on your calendar, March 27th. But we are one family made up of many, many individuals. And we want to continue to engage with others empathetically, seeking to be the solution to the problem problems in our world. But I want us to look at a passage in Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul is writing to the Ephesian church, and he's explaining to to them the importance of understanding our oneness, our unity. Listen to what he says. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, and living through all. As you can hear, there's no room for doubt. We are called to a oneness. But a call to oneness is not the same as a call to sameness. A call to unity is not the same as a call to uniformity. See, we are called to become people who love and serve and influence people who look differently than us, vote differently than us, make different moral choices than we would, even believe differently than us. But it's difficult, but it's important and worth the effort as we work through the differences to become the people that God created us to be. And we've got a few resources to help you in that journey. Um, One is Beyond Colorblind. It's a new... um, Gateway University course we're doing. It's on Tuesday nights. It's at Gateway North, but there's actually an online version. You can join in virtually if you want to be a part of that. Just follow the link there at the bottom to do that. And then many of our life groups have been going through my book, and unfortunately, we sold out. Uh, We'll get more soon, if not next Sunday, the Sunday after, but it's also a book about how do we engage the world that's different from us. But I don't want you to miss the next verse in Ephesians chapter 4. In the midst of all of this reminder of the oneness of God and the calling to be one body, Paul also acknowledges, however, God has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. 
See, we are a community united by our connection to Jesus that creates creates profound spiritual diversity through the gifts of grace that he has given us. Now, that phrase, gifts of grace, or that idea of a special gift, it comes from a Greek word, charismata, a gift of grace, that God has given each of us a spiritual gift. It's like a superpower that allows us to contribute toward God's work. We are empowered. We are given an ability by God in order to accomplish his purposes in our world. Now, as we've talked about, the church is not a building. The church is not a service. It's not designed to be a spectator sport. When you say yes to Jesus, you actually are joining a new community. You are the church. To live out your calling means to participate, to be involved, to be connected. You become part of a community of individuals that are serving one another in love and serving our world in love. Erwin McManus, um, pastor at Mosaic, a friend and mentor of mine as we served with him for 13 years, helped me understand this. In this simple phrase, he said this, the church is not here to meet our needs. We are the church and we're here to meet the needs of the world. See, the more you grow in your relationship with God, the more you realize the responsibility of representing him well, of being part of the solution. That each of us has a part to play. And it's God's love that, that powers this vehicle that brings faith and love and hope to the world around us. Each of us has a, an important part to play. It's as if God created a, a beautiful car with multiple parts necessary. Here, here's my first car. It's a 1962 Rambler. Now, I grew up in the 80s, not the 60s. But my parents had this great idea that I would have to buy my own car, my own first car. And I convinced them. I said, look, here's the problem. I work at Kroger. I can't get there without a car. I need you to buy me a car. So they did. And that was a great motivation to go buy my own car. So God wouldn't create a Rambler. He would create something more like this. All right, so that's the car, right? That's the vehicle that that we make up. We would be one, is what Paul writes, as the Ephesians say, but each of us has a different function. We each have a role to play. Each part of us, empowered by God, who is the driver, the engineer, the pit crew, and it's his love that is the fuel that makes us move forward. But each of us has a part to play. It reminds me of a story. There was a CEO named Alan Mulally. He was a CEO of Boeing, and he was there during some really innovative days. And in fact, while he was there, they, they created the 747 and the 777, and he actually left Boeing to go to Ford. So he gets to Michigan, and there were some really skeptical people. He was derided for this switch in industries. In fact, one of the more brash reporters during his first news conference just had to ask him this question. He said, as the CEO of an airplane manufacturer, do you really feel prepared to come into a highly regulated, nuanced network of automobile suppliers, buyers, and manufacturers? How could you possibly be prepared for this new position? And Mulali Cooley replied, well, an automobile has about 10,000 moving parts, right? An airplane has 2 million, and it has to stay up in the air. In other words, I think I'm ready for this. 
And that's impressive. But it's even more impressive to realize that God has built something made up of billions of moving parts, the church. And it stretches across countries and continents and cultures and time. Together, he is integrating all of us through his grace, through his undeserved love into the most glorious vehicle ever created. And I want you to know that in his family, there is a place for everyone. Each of you are invited to find what you were designed to do, to be part of this community. No one is an accident to God. In his kingdom, everyone is wanted and all are planned for. I don't know if we grasp how important this is unless we remember that we live in a culture that's harassed by loneliness and haunted by meaninglessness. The God of the universe created you on purpose and for a purpose. The God of the universe holds out community and meaning to you in the humblest of forms, the local church. Now, I have to just acknowledge here, many of us had experiences with the local church that have actually kept us from believing in God. And that's because of churchianity, religiosity. It's a, it's a, a form of Americana that actually intercepted and hijacked the true message of Jesus, a message of love and grace. You belong here if you're ready to step into it. I'm not talking about a service. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about into this community, a gifted community being put together by God himself. Now, some of you have already jumped in. You're already serving. And, and perhaps your next step is to move from just serving and fulfilling a task to actually getting to know those you're serving with and letting them really know you. Or maybe that next step of stepping into intentional, spiritual growth by being part of a life group. Others of you here, it's time to step out of anonymity into community to discover who you were created to be. I have a confession. I didn't fully understand all of this growing up. I had a disadvantage. I grew up in Texas. Any of you grew up in Texas? Any of you grew up going to church? Some of the same people, right? And I didn't fully understand this. I, I, I honestly didn't enjoy going to church. And something terrible happened when I turned 12. My dad was asked to be a deacon, which basically to me meant now I had to go Sunday nights and Wednesday nights as well. And I didn't like Sunday school and church Sunday morning. Now, eventually, I came to a place where I began a relationship with God through Jesus. But I honestly saw church as something that I had to bear, like, if you really love Jesus, then you go to church. And it was almost like a cross you had to bear. It seemed completely disconnected from real life. It was a form of, of faith that just didn't resonate with me, created by my grandparents, perpetuated by my parents. In fact, I felt a lot like this kid I saw in a recent video. He was at church, and he was asked to give a little speech, and here's the speech that he gave. Let's watch. I'm tired of church. Oh, oh, oh. That's a beautiful If you couldn't understand him, because it was brief, I'm tired of this church. I don't know if you heard one of the women in the crowd, that's your speech? 
Now, here's the thing about this little boy. That guy has courage. Because <laughs> he's going home later. <laughs> but that's how I felt. I don't know about you. Just being dragged to something that didn't seem to have any meaning in life. That's not what God intended. See, the church is not a building. It's not a service. It's not a vacant form of religion, it is us, those of us who follow Jesus. We make up the church, and we gather together because that's what the early believers did. They, they come together to, to sing and to learn and to serve. This is not meant to be a spectator sport. You are invited into the mission of the church. And so today we're, we're talking about how we can identify and discover our ways to contribute. It's something called spiritual gifts. And there's three ways to discover your gifts. It starts with first, knowledge. First, you have to know that there are gifts and know what kind of gifts that there are out there. And there's several passages in the scripture. We're just gonna look at one. This one's in Romans 12. Paul writes to the Romans, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, in a passage we looked at last week, we discovered that there is no distinction in the new family of God between male and female, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, that all are included and that all spiritual gifts are disseminated indiscriminately to male and female. Jew and Gentile, slave and free. Now, I want you to think of how revolutionary this is. I mean, people who were being oppressed in the Roman world, in the local church, were being valued, empowered, as they discovered that they had a contribution to make, that they had spiritual gifts of leadership and hospitality, teaching, and so many other beautiful things. And it's truly revolutionary. Now, if any of you grew up with any sort of Christian background, and you tried to read the scriptures, you may have come across a couple things that threw you off. And it's important for me to, as an aside, kind of walk through this. Because if you jump in to start reading some of these passages about spiritual gifts, you'll see some things that might throw you off. Particularly, slavery and how women are viewed in the scriptures. Now, these are both really important issues to look at. And anytime you read something in the scriptures that doesn't seem to make sense, it could very well be something that's happening that you can't see. It's called the context. Now, you have to remember, 2,000 years ago, this was a society where women were seen as like property, not even second-class citizens, and where 80% of the Roman world was enslaved. And the early church had leaders who were women and those who were considered slaves, now, you have to understand, 2,000 years ago, this is not the same sort of slavery that happened during colonial times. This was not families being ripped apart. It's not even the kind of slavery that we see today. It was different. But even still, the trajectory of the scriptures was towards freedom. In fact, it was followers of Jesus that began the abolitionist movement. 
And when it comes to women, there's this one particular phrase, and there's many I could point to, but let me just give you an example of what was happening in the context. So 2,000 years ago, Paul was writing to Timothy, one of his mentees who was a pastor, and he writes to them, hey, remember, women should learn in quietness and full submission. And some of you are like, okay, you had me, then you lost me. All right, let me, let me explain. So this is really remarkable. He says 2,000 years ago that women should learn. I think it was the year 2012 when Malala in Afghanistan was on her way to school and the Taliban stopped her school bus and shot to kill her so that she could not get an education. That's 2,000 years after Paul said women should learn. But he was in a context of patriarchy. He was a leader in an oppressed movement, a movement that was blamed by Roman officials for anything bad that happened. It was the Christian's fault. In other words, what he's saying is women should learn, but just keep it on the down low. Keep it quiet. Keep it hush-hush. This is society. This family is different than the world around us. The trajectory of what we see happening is the freedom for all. That in the family of God, there's no distinction between male and female, Jew and Gentile, slave and free. There's no distinction between socioeconomics or gender or background. So back to this Romans 12 passage. All the passages about spiritual gifts emphasize how interconnected we are. There's a unity in spite of the cultural and socioeconomic differences because each learn to value others who are not like them. And think about it, if, if my gifts are in this area and I don't have these gifts and suddenly these gifts are valuable to me, teaming with that person actually makes sense. In the early church, Paul was saying it's important that you value people who are different than you, value people who have different strengths than you, different gifts than you. Now in our next steps, which I encourage you to pick up every week. They're just out there at the Connect spot. They're great to discuss with your roommates, with your family, with your life group, or you can go to gatewaychurch.com slash next steps. They help you apply what we talk about each week. And in that is a list of spiritual gifts. It's not meant to be exhaustive, but it lists a great deal of them. And learning what they are and learning which one you might have is part of this journey. And there's a, a couple resources I wanna point out. In a couple weeks, we're doing something called Advance. In Advance, we actually take you through some assessments, the Myers-Briggs, Gallup Strengths Finder, and Spiritual Gifts Assessment. We're also talking about discovering your purpose. And we used to do it over six weeks, uh, but now we're gonna do it on a Friday night and all day Saturday. And it, it will be worth your time and energy and effort. And about a month later, we're doing another workshop called the Hearing God Workshop here at Gateway South. Another opportunity for you to be real intentional about connecting with God and connecting with others, learning to hear God's voice, learning to operate in your spiritual gifts. But there's a couple things that you can bank on when it comes to spiritual gifts, and that is it's a God-powered ability. The spiritual gift of leadership, for example, is empowered and used by God to to through you build others up spiritually. It advances God's purposes in the world. It's not just a human purpose. Your spiritual gift will help advance God's kingdom in some way. 
It's given to you in a special way when you become a follower of Jesus. But the second thing you should know about spiritual gifts is not only is it given to you by God, but it's to be used for the benefit of others. For example, if, if you have the gift of evangelism, that means you are really good at helping other people understand what it means to have faith. And some of you are thinking, well, I hope I don't have that gift. But it doesn't mean that all of us are abdicated from helping others find faith. If you're someone who has a relationship with God, that person that has the gift of evangelism is actually great at helping us learn how to do that better. And so you use your gift to help others learn how to function as the body that we're created to be. But the second thing that we need is proximity. Not only do we need to have knowledge of what the spiritual gifts are, but we need to have proximity. We need to be in relationship with others. You cannot... Discover your spiritual gifts in isolation. We're meant to function together. You've actually got to be close to other people to use your gifts. And that's why at Gateway, we always talk about living connected, about serving others with others. Because when you do, it gives you the opportunity to to get feedback from others on what they see in your life. Now, there are some spiritual gift inventories, assessments, and, and we'll point you towards a few of them. But I'll be honest, I'm just gonna say it out loud. If you want the gift of leadership, you know how to answer the question so that it pops up. So they're not the most accurate. The best way, the way that the early church discovered their spiritual gifts was they just started serving. And then other people spoke into their life what they could see in them based on what was happening as they served. And if you don't know your spiritual gifts, it could just be because you haven't been close enough to others, allowing them to speak into your life. To truly discover your spiritual gifts, you're gonna have to be in proximity, utilizing your gifts so that others can speak into your life. They can feel the effects. They can recognize it in you and reflect it back to you, which leads to the third way of discovering your gifts, experimentation. It's the idea of, of learning how to not just know what your gifts are, but actually operating in them, taking action. Listen to this letter from Paul to Timothy. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now, this image of lay my hands on you, we do that here with a commissioning. It's a, it's a sending out. It sounds more violent. than It's not Homer and Bart, you know, lay my hands on you. It's, it's this idea that remember when I sent you out on this mission, I told you you have this gift from God. Don't let it sit idle, but fan it into flames. You have to act on opportunities as they come your way. You have to watch God's grace show up in you as you serve others. Now, it's not risk-free, but it is inherently experimental. So what does it look like or feel like when you're operating in a spiritual gift? How do you know if the experiment's successful? Let me walk you through three paths of discernment. First is listen to those around you. What's getting reflected back to you? What's being affirmed by people that are in proximity with you? Community, your church can help you discern your calling, your spiritual gifts. It's one of the huge benefits of living connected with other people, with serving with others, is that can actually speak into your life. They see things that you may have missed or taken for granted. I can tell you just a short version of my own story, and I have pictures to help along the way. I was born a happy baby. 
Look very similar to now, if I don't say so for myself. I was also a happy child. And then came middle school. That's me hiding behind the dog. And apparently the only one that knew how a timer worked on those old-fashioned cameras. <laughs> That's my little brother, who was not high. He was not high. I don't know. I don't know what was happening there. Now, my family, we had our rough moments, but for the most part, I feel like we were quite laid back, as this picture showed. Now, I'm not high in that picture. But I played cards all the time with my best friends, my great Aunt Nora and Aunt Lily, rocking my Ocean Pacific clothes. And you think that's fashionable, check this one out. That's right. The blue pants and the pink shirts. Now, in spite of how cool I looked, I was very insecure. And actually, being part of a youth group, there were several older kids, juniors and seniors that were just really intimidating to me. And I remember when my youth pastor pulled me aside one day and he asked me, Eric, I want you to lead the canned food drive. Now, at first, it just sounded like, you know, a task he needed done. But then he said something that changed my life. He looked at me and said, I feel like you have a gift for leadership. Now, my youth pastor saw something in me I didn't see. My youth pastor believed in me before I believed in myself. And as I pressed into trying to grow my relationship with God, and when I led the little canned food drive, and then other opportunities come, just no matter how small they were, I began to see more and more clearly who God had created me to be. And it happened in the context of pressing into my relationship with God and pressing into community. Can you think of a moment in your life where God spoke through someone else? They saw something in you you did not see in yourself. Are you like Timothy? Do you need to fan that into flame? You've let it flicker from lack of use. Or is it something that you've never heard because you've never put yourself in proximity? Now, just for fun, this last week, my daughter, I don't know if I should be offended by this, but she decided to see what I looked like if I still had hair. <laughs> yes, that's what it would be. <laughs> so three paths for discernment listen to those around you and two pay attention to what happens in you when you start serving when you're operating in your spiritual gift you're tapping into the one of the reasons you were created you're living deeply from your design and it leaves a mark you're discovering your purpose considered as operating in this way produce joy or exhilaration I mean, when you're, when you're operating in your spiritual gifts, there's a rush of trusting God, a sense of being fully activated or in the zone. Time passes quickly. There's a sense of effortlessness. Now, it doesn't mean that it's always easy. You still have to develop perseverance and exert effort. But the third thing that you'll start to see is not only what happens in you, but watch for it to bear fruit that actually as you're operating your spiritual gifts, you'll see transformation happen around you. When God acts with you, it produces results that you cannot manufacture and you cannot take credit for it. There's a power that you can feel 
These spiritual gifts impact people. It provokes transformation in them and draws them towards God. It's like a superpower. I remember in Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, he said, with great power comes great responsibility. Actually, I did this wrong this morning. It was his Uncle Ben. Sorry to those of you I've offended. His Uncle Ben who said, to great... To, to a one who's given great power comes great responsibility. That's not a Bible verse. It sounds like it should be. Actually, Jesus said, if you are given much, much is expected. I think Uncle Ben ripped off Jesus. I just realized that. <laughs> but see, you have a superpower. When you say yes to Jesus, you are given the spirit of God and you are empowered with spiritual gifts to be used for the advancement of God's kingdom. And what's fascinating is with these spiritual gifts, you might have seen them operating even outside of the church. Maybe you have a pastoral gift and your coworkers can feel that. Maybe you have gift of hospitality and your, your neighbors in your apartment complex can feel that. Let me just share a couple of needs with you that, that perhaps could be a, a way for you to jump in. Uh, one is serving with kids and students. Now, you may not know this, but Sunday mornings, we have more kids that come now than we've ever had before. In fact, we have some spaces that we can open up, but only if we have more adults willing to serve. And I learned this when I was at Mosaic in LA. If you're not sure what your spiritual gift is, just start serving babies. You'll figure it out real quick. But actually, if you think about it, our children need all the spiritual gifts. They need pastors. They need teachers. They need people who have the gift of administration or hospitality. If you have a sense that maybe coming every other Sunday morning or being available when there's someone who's sick to jump in, just come to Starting Gate right after. We'd love to show you how you can jump in and serve our kids. Or another one I want to share with you. And if you're a guest, feel just... For a moment, just allow me to talk to those of us that are, this is our church family. But maybe you have a gift of giving. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I want that because that probably implies a gift of earning. <laughs> but let me just tell you how our budget works here at Gateway. And at any nonprofit or church, we actually create a budget based on what we project will come in. And so we hire and we make decisions about budgets based on a, a projection, really. And as the year goes on, you can begin to see, oh, okay, we may not have as much or we may have more, and, and you adjust the budget as it comes. And I shared with you, in December, we actually gave more together in that one month than we've ever given before, which is extraordinary. And we've grown at about 5% this year, which is, again, remarkable. But we had projected growing at closer to 12%. And so I wanted to share this need with you because maybe you're here and you've been coming for a while and you've been thinking that God is impressing on you to, to begin giving or to start giving again. Do you know that it's just 40 households that give 50% of our annual budget? It's remarkable when people are just faithful to what God has called them to do, how much exponentially we can do together. And so perhaps if this is your church family, you want to pray about jumping in and being part of that. Perhaps that could be your next step. Now, there's a whole other group of people. We, we featured four of them, right? Serving alongside our guest services team, the arts and production, next gen, serving with life groups. Those are great ways to jump in and get involved. Three of those are serving others with others on Sunday. But there's a whole other group. 
that serves the city. It's, these are called networks. These are organic groups of people using their gifts and influence to serve others. Some are serving the homeless. Some are business leaders that get together trying to talk about how do we serve and reach out to other business leaders. We have a 20-somethings um, network called Anchor. We have, a Anchor uh, we have a network in Buda and Kyle and Bastrop and Lakeway. And next week, we have our Reconciliation and Justice Network getting together for lunch and discussing the book, Not Like Me, and a Dripping Springs Network that's actually meeting at Slab Barbecue, which, by the way, Slab Barbecue, we bring here often to the 6 o'clock service, and it was recently featured on diners, drive-ins, and dives. Here's a picture of Raph. There they are. Yeah, that's Raph in the middle, and that's uh, somebody named Guy Fieri on the right. <laughs> So we can all say we knew of slab before Guy Fieri did, right? Before the lines get long. But maybe jumping into one of these networks, just go to our gatewaychurch.com slash south and click on networks to see different ways to jump in. But I want you to consider what is, what is God's purpose for your life? And we've created a, 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 a moment here, a couple songs that we're gonna sing my hope is you'll take advantage of these 10, 15 minutes. And after these two songs, Cindy will come up and she'll share some different next steps. But I want you to consider during these songs, what is my next step to become the person God's created me to be? For some of you, it could be just stepping in and saying yes to following Jesus, asking him to forgive you, to heal you and to send you out as a healer, letting him lead you. And next week, we're gonna celebrate baptisms. Maybe you've already said yes to Jesus and, and sharing with your church family what's already happened in your heart is your next step. Or perhaps during these two songs, you just wanna ask God to speak to you. Maybe an image of someone that he's put on your heart in the past to serve comes to mind. Maybe there's something that in this moment you need to just allow God to speak to you. Maybe there's someone he wants you to forgive so you can move forward. Take advantage of these moments, whether it's singing out or just standing and connecting with God in your heart. Allow this to be a time where you consider what God's next steps for you are. So let's stand together and let's sing.